Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. It's about election subversion, not just whether or not people get to vote. What we need to explain to Russia is that this is not going to be bloodless. We should not be teaching our children to see everything through a lens of race. That worsened the underlying disease of division infecting our country. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views, Tom, Benny, and Clark. You know, Clark asks us every day, okay, what are we going to title the program? Because he has to put a title up on Rumble for social media. Get ready for the dump button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. The, the truth of the matter is, it just we were talking before we went on the air, uh, the Democrats are just – I don't know if it's a desperation move that they realize they're up against the wall. They, It's not looking good. It's looking terrible. And thus they are desperate and they're throwing Hail Marys. Uh, but the, 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 the fact that – I mean, it's interesting. This week was Martin Luther King's birthday, right? Or last week. And uh, – no, it was this week, right? It was, it was, it was Monday. Yeah, it was Monday. Yes, it was Monday. Yeah. <laughs> that was a hard one to remember. I, yeah. The uh, and, and you know the 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 content of one's character, mm. the contents of one's character. I mean, let's not judge by the color of the skin, but the contact of the character. Where is the character of these individuals like Chuck Schumer, who was lying through his teeth, and is you know, where is the character of Joe Biden, where he's calling, basically calling cinema. And Joe Manchin, comparing them with three other Democrats, by the way, uh, George Wallace, Bull Connor, and Jefferson Davis. Uh, Just the the links that they're going to, trying to prevail. Well, you know, we talked about last week, you know, Joe Biden's speech um, down in Georgia. At least in my lifetime, there was not even a close second of the most divisive speech I've ever heard come out of presence and and the fact that um you know the the corporate media mainstream media as we call it pretty much everybody but fox news um really didn't call them out on it that much really um i mean they just kind of echoed and said some of the same things that uh, he said and and then this week now chuck schumer and all the other democrats the with this filibuster and, and and wanting to you know, to change the filibuster rules in the Senate and that type of thing, the the hypocrisy, excuse me, hypocrisy of mm-hmm. them to just sit back and act like and and say that the Republicans are being racist and trying to um, prevent you know black and brown people from voting because of this not changing the Senate rules. I mean, I, and and the mainstream media on that issue just. Harley even talks about it, addresses it. Well, I mean, it's just amazing. This is cut two. This is what Jen Psaki said about that speech last week by Joe Biden. Cut two. I want to pivot back to voting rights, sure. particularly um, uh, the president's speech last week. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how it came together. But also I wonder if you'll respond to some of the criticism about it, that it was too aggressive or divisive, and, and that you know some of the rhetoric that he used wasn't you know, conducive to getting folks, you know, who are opposed on board? Well, uh, 
sorry, which piece did you want me to start with? Uh, whichever one is best for you. Uh, okay. Well, I, I would say first that, um, you know, the president delivered a powerful speech about uh, the protection of people's fundamental rights in this in this country, which is their right to vote, their right to uh, to vote for anyone they choose, whether it is him or someone else. It was not a partisan speech. It was intended to lay out for the public exactly what's at stake and lay out for elected officials what's at stake. Um, and he stands by everything he said in that speech. It was not a partisan speech. <laughs> yeah, and H.R. 1 and H.R. 4 are not partisan pieces of legislation. Either. Yeah, and, and I get tired of the mainstream media, and even today, Fox News, when, when referencing these bills, H.R. Uh, 1 and what's the other one? H.R. 4, H. John, Lewis Lewis, John, right. Lewis, John Lewis Act. Um, they even, in one of their online articles, mentioned – mentioned the voting rights bills. This is not voting no, rights bills. No. These are voting rules. Right. It has nothing to do with rights. And it's it's nationalizing state elections. I mean, the, the, the Constitution makes it very clear who writes the rules for elections. It's the state legislatures. And uh, they want to basically and, – and the idea that they get up there and they say the Republicans are trying to do away with your, with your democracy – they're trying to overrule commons. I mean, it's just it's take what the Democrats say and turn it on its head, and then you might have some truth out of the thing. Well, you know, not only are they trying to take it from elections from the states, the election rules from the states, which is clearly in our constitution. You know, there's also been this this I'd call it flavor for the last couple of years of of creating mob rule of. Ignoring our Constitution. I mean, we're a constitutional republic. We have right. a constitution of laws. Lex Rex. And and it's, you know, it going on back to, oh, gosh, we got to get rid of Electoral College because the majority, you know, the majority, the majority. That's not what our Constitution was designed to do. And I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine that's a naturalized citizen here a few months ago. I won't say from what country. But he asked me, it was actually during an election, he said, let me ask you something. Why don't we go with popular vote? Um, And what is this electoral college all about? I mean, if the majority of the people think we should elect someone, then why don't we go with a majority? And I I thought for a minute, I said, here's why. How about if the majority of American citizens don't like the way you look because your skin color is a little different? Should, should, Should we say the majority should take you out and hang you? Mob rule. I mean, that's mob rule. Well, the other thing you got to remember, too, is and, and prior to the war between the states, the United States was these United States of America, not the United States. In other words, it was a it, it was a gathering of and it is it's supposed to be a gathering of 50 states today. A constitutional republic right, a of consti- sovereign states. Right. And each state held its sovereignty, and each state had the right to be represented. And quite frankly, I think we ought to – I mean, I'm, I'm way out of touch on this with the rest of the world, but I think we ought to go back to where the state appoints their their uh, U.S. senators as well. But uh, you know, it was the other thing that was bizarre yesterday. Kamala, you, mean, you mean the state legislatures like yeah, they used yeah, to do? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, Kamala Harris was uh, working in a soup kitchen on uh, Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> And she said, speaking again to Kristen Sinema and to Joe Manchin and, and, and Republicans in general. I'm speaking. She said 
she is not going to absolve senators who stand in the way of the Democratic-led legislation aimed at overhauling U.S. elections. She is not going to absolve. I don't think they're asking you to absolve. I think they're quite proud of where they're standing. I think they've made that very obvious. And quite frankly, if the American people— now, I think our listeners, for the most part, understand where H.R. 1 and H.R. 4 are coming from. But if, and quite frankly, I think the majority of Americans probably realize that Democrats are trying to steal elections through this legislation. But they're not looking to be absolved by you or anybody else in the Democrat Party. But you might need to be absolved. <laughs> yeah. You know, and— it looks like someone in the media would ask a simple question. I think about in the White House press room, you don't get honest questions. I mean, just a simple honest question for Saki would say, look, in 2020, excuse me, 2017, uh, President Donald Trump had the White House, he had the, had the House of Representatives, and he had, had, had the Senate. So do you think at that time it would have been good for – that party to just take over because the majority of America spoke and let's change everything. But not that question is no. never asked no. by the media. No. So when NBC uh, news anchor Greg Melvin brought up Mansion of Cinema, Harris says, I don't think anyone should be absolved from the responsibility of preserving and protecting our democracy, especially when they took an oath to protect and defend our Constitution. So she thinks you're defending the Constitution if you vote for H well, vote for the overthrowing of the filibuster and vote for HR one and HR four. Uh, wow. <laughs> the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing that um you, you know, after a while the Democrats they keep and, and I'll give them credit. I mean, they keep telling the lie over and over and over and over again, and after a while it's kinda like, yeah. Yeah, it's a voting rights thing. Republicans are trying to, uh, you know, they're trying, they're trying to interfere with the voting rights of people, yeah. and it's just, uh, it's just crazy to me. Well, I, apparently, the, I, I think at the end of the day, the Democrats do know they're uh, up against it. Two more House Democrats announced today they won't seek re-election in November. Jim uh, Langenden, fifty-seven years old from Rhode Island, and Jerry McInerney, seventy years old from California. Both said they're not going to run for another term. Neither gave a specific reason. It was just the the typical, uh, you know, I'm going to pursue other avenues and spend more time with my family. And Truth be known, the representative from California is probably moving to Texas and getting the, and getting the hell out of the state. <laughs> but l listen, I mean, this guy, 57 years old, I mean, that's, that's still a young man in my estimation. Real young. He is not, uh, you know, it, it's, they realize they're going to get shellacked. Now, and they might prevail in their particular house race, but they, they don't want to be in the minority. And uh, they don't want to basically be there realizing that uh, they're going to be uh, on the outside looking in. So, uh, anyway, we will uh, continue to follow that. It was interesting to uh, note that um, the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, issued a stern warning to Republicans and Democrat defenders of the filibuster ahead of the upcoming uh, votes. And he said he's going to vote. Now, it's interesting. He said he wanted to combine H.R. 1 and H.R. 4 into one legislative bill, but he also wants to take separate votes on H.R. 1 and H.R. 4 
and the filibuster. And he said, we're going to vote and we're all going to go on the record. Well, I think they're on the record. I mean, again, pointing the finger to Cinema and Manchin, when Cinema goes to the House Senate floor, I mean, the Senate floor to make a speech, <laughs> she makes it real clear she is not going to vote to overthrow the filibuster. I think she went on the record. I think so, too. But I, but I bet Schumer is probably, I mean, his idea is combine these two, call it the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, something all sexy sounding. And then, then you know, he'll try to demonize Democrats. I mean, he's been demonizing Republicans for for weeks, months. He'll dem- uh, demonize the Democrats and saying, you know, these senators, these representatives are not voting for and and talk about John Lewis and and, oh, yeah. and shame the Democrats. Yeah. That's yeah. I think that's what his his plan is. Uh, well, that or he is throwing a hail mary. He just he realizes I don't have a chance come November. I'm going to be out. I'm not going to be the majority leader. I'm going Possibly. to be the minority yeah. leader. And, uh, and I mean, I, I, is, is this like the guy that says, okay, you know, we're going to flip a coin. Heads, I win. Tails, you lose. Whatever. And uh, he flips coin, and he loses. He said, well, no, no, two out of three. Two out of three. Flips coin, he loses. Three out of five. Three. And this time it really counts. I, I wonder if that's Chuckles the Clown, whether he just realizes I don't have a shot at it and— uh, I'm going to go out screaming and kicking and throwing a temper tantrum. Well, you look at the Democrat uh, leadership, both you know with Schumer and Pelosi. I mean, you know, not picking at old people, but they are old. I mean, they've been there forever. Hey, watch it. And <laughs> well, Pelosi, she's got to be real old, or she didn't age well. But but um, when you look at who in the party is getting the most attention behind them, they're nuts. No, I mean, there's no, no other way no, to say it. They're no, nuts. No, so they got no. this fear of. Hey, if we don't get it done now, our our party may be so, so uh, is going to be in the asylum. Yeah, yeah uh, really. and, and and so you know, disjointed from the way the average person in America thinks, they it may think this is the last shot. Hey, we're going to take a time out. When we come back. We're going to be joined by Senator Jim Perry. We'll talk about election maps and more. Stay with us. More news and views coming up. This is your Drive at 5 and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. It is News and Views, Tom and Benny. And uh, we have on the line with us North Carolina Senate Majority Whip, Republican Jim Perry. Jim, welcome back in. Good to have you with us. Hey, Jim. Hey, thanks for having me. Jim, uh, give us the latest on what's uh, happening with the Supreme Court hearing on the legislative district maps. We know that uh, February 2nd, two weeks from today, in fact, will be the oral arguments. But uh, has anything changed since the uh, Superior Court uh, prevailed on the maps? Well, I, I think the, the biggest thing is, is once we receive the ruling from a unanimous uh, bipartisan three-judge panel, um, we, you know, we, we saw an immediate uh, appeal uh, come from the the plaintiffs, and uh, when the when the court gave us an outline of you know what would happen on what dates, we realized that uh, the Supreme Court was not going to even plan to hear oral arguments. Um, 
until the second. And state law requires that if if the court finds a problem with the maps, that the General Assembly would be given uh, 14 days to redraw them. Uh, based upon when the Board of Elections said they would need these maps in order to not move the primary, uh, that uh, time frame is too compressed and, and would not provide the, the General Assembly with the 14 days as required by law. Uh, if, if the goal is not to have um, any type of uh, intrusion uh, on separation of powers, then we feel like we need to make sure that the General Assembly does indeed have those 14 days to, to redraw maps. But uh, I, I think you would be the first to say this is not to infer that you think that it's a long shot for you to prevail. I mean, it has nothing to do with what you think of the outcome is. It's just what if. Well, re- regardless uh, of the outcome, uh, if if they were to not change the maps, uh, we'd still be in compliance with the law. Right. If they they did change the maps um, on their own, which, you know, the law says, first of all, that, you know, there's a constitutional requirement that the General Assembly uh, be the ones to draw the maps. There's there's nothing uh, in the, the law or the Constitution um, that says, well, if, if that doesn't work out, you guys can do it. There, there is some precedent in the past. Um, but if there is, you know, if we, we believe in the separation of powers and that's our constitutional duty, and we have a path to ensure a fail-safe is put into place that if if the court did come down with a ruling that said, hey, we think you need to do this and this is why, which I can't find a reason for that in our state constitution, but if they did, this would just allow us uh, to comply with their order and comply with uh, general statute. Now, I'm not being facetious when I ask this next question, but... What in the world would you do to make the maps better or fairer? Well, I, I think that that is such a subjective phrase, um, and people get caught up. I, you know, we, we live in a society that has decided that, you know, when you can't have your way, you just change the definition um, and the meaning of words. And now, you know, people run around with this, this asinine argument that because X number of people vote for a Democratic governor, then we should have proportional representation in our state. And um, proportional representation is impossible to achieve without gerrymandering uh, and purposefully uh, tilting the balance and making someone's vote not count. Uh, when you when you're by district, um, you know there's no proportional representation on the governor's cabinet for all the Republicans that voted uh, in the state. When he appoints people, he he appoints Democrats. Uh, We are, our Constitution set us up to to not split counties for a reason, because counties have certain interests, communities of interest in those counties. Uh, They they share interests. They you know, it's easy to get them outvoted if we just go all proportional. But that, that is something that's made up by individuals when they, they make arguments. It's not grounded in law. It's not based on our statutes. It's not based on our state constitution. It's a straw man argument. 
Now, you want to delay, as you inferred, you want to delay, and, and we, got, uh, we have in front of us uh, Senator Ralph Heiss's um, press release. Uh, the, uh, the, the primary would be now delayed till June. Um, yeah, be does, three weeks. Does the, I assume the legislature has to come back into session to vote on this, correct? Uh, we actually uh, intend to take this matter up tomorrow, and uh, we are operating under a skeletal session now. So we're we're technically still in the long session uh, from last year, and we convened in, in Raleigh today, and uh, we will actually be on the chamber floor for a planned vote tomorrow, and the House will take the issue up after we do. So you're you're going to have as many of your members there as as. That, that can make it, I assume. I mean, it's it's a call to arms, basically. Uh, it, it is, and and we, you know, I'm I'm the whip. My job <laughs> go, go get them, Tiger. A, <laughs> yeah, we we have enough members to have a quorum and to uh, vote that out of our chamber. Do you expect the Democrats to show up for this vote? So yeah, I, I do expect them to show up. Um, I think there's some questions we. We had uh, early indications from them that um, they would be there and that they didn't have a problem with this and that they would vote for it. And um, late last night, early this morning, I began getting um, indications to the contrary. So I, I, I think <laughs> they, uh, they've probably gotten some legal advice uh, from someone who indicated they didn't want them to do that. And without... Without Democrat support um, regarding the extension and protecting our constitutional authority to to draw those maps, uh, we are likely headed for a gubernatorial veto. Jim, you uh, you mentioned it uh, at the start that uh, last week the uh, the unanimous three three judge panel that that was bipartisan, two Republicans and one Democrat yep. voted unanimously to uphold the maps. Um, That's right. Last week, uh, the statements out of that panel, one of the statements that I'll read, at the end of the day, after carefully and fully conducting our analysis, it is clear that the plaintiff's claim must fail. Judges, like many of the citizens they serve, do not always like the results they reach. The fact notwithstanding, judges have a solemn duty to uphold the law. We have done our best to perform that duty, regardless of the consequences. Now, as this goes before the Supreme Court um, of North Carolina, this unanimous three-judge panel looking at the backgrounds of these judges, they are—they have a, you know, a history of, of of being on the bench of uh, of of doing legal work. Now, if it goes to the Supreme Court, which is you know four four Democrats, three Republicans, um, and looking at some of the Supreme Court. You know, they don't have a, some of them don't have a lot of uh, bench experience. If they come up with something different when this panel was so adamant about this, I mean, can it be looked at on anything other than partisan if the Democrats vote 4-3 to say these maps are unconstitutional? I, I don't think so. I, you know, and, and put partisan ideals aside, and let's not talk about Democrats and Republicans. Let's talk about conservative jurists, and I'm talking little c. I'm not talking about something associated with the Republican Party. I'm talking about someone who believes that our Constitution was written uh, as it's intended to be interpreted. Uh, interpreted. Some, um, I'm talking about someone who believes that 
Um, they can't bridge the gap. The law tells them what to do. Their job is to, um, you know, read the law and apply it as written. And and where we've where we've drifted to, and, and maybe we have too many law schools. Maybe we need to shut a few of them down if they re- receive state funds. But maybe there's too many lawyers out there, and they get bored. Uh, where we've drifted to is you have too many individuals who've decided. Well, this is the outcome that I just feel is right. It feels just. So, you know, it's not written anywhere that I have the authority to do this, but because I think it's just, let me see. I want to end up in point B, so I'm going to go back. Oh, look, here's a piece of the law that, you know, I can say, well, I mean, if you think about it, I can sort of interpret it uh, this way, and they make those arguments, and it stands. Um, there are some danger areas for them that if they get into, then they start talking about federal issues, and you know maybe the federal courts would would take it up. But unfortunately, and, and very few people understand this, uh, in in the state of North Carolina, with matters regarding the state constitution, when it's not in conflict with federal law, uh, our state supreme court they they are the ones with the final say. And that's that's why those those court seats are, are so important. The the two most important elections we will have in November. I always always joke at, at fundraisers that it, it's my election, Senator Burgers. But the the two most important elections we're going to have are those two Supreme Court uh, justice seats. Right. And things mm-hmm. like this are why. Yeah. So you've got someone who interprets the law as written and doesn't take power from the people. You know, someone doesn't have to like Republicans. That's fine. They don't have to like me. That's fine. But when you negate what I do when I'm up here, you, you've essentially negated the will of the people right. and the 210,000 people that I represent. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's mm. going too far. Yeah, and to your point on how important these races are, you know, if you look at the history of, of judges, not only on North Carolina Supreme Court, it's all over the country and at the U.S. Supreme Court, you've got too many people that you look at their resumes and their past, and their, their legal career has been about advocating for one particular position for one particular party or one particular group of people versus being an advocate for the law. And we need to get back to electing, electing uh, justices that are, you know, have a history of being an advocate for the Constitution. And when you say conservative, I think that's what you mean. Being a conservative doesn't have anything right. to do with a political ideology. It means that you believe right. the Constitution is the law, period. That's right. That's the, right. You know, and, and it, it, it's further compounded with, make no mistake, this is why Anita Earls is on that Supreme Court. Without question. I mean, this, this no. is this is her uh, role in life. It's why she's here. But when her largest campaign backer, Bingo. you know, a quarter of a million dollars coming from Eric Holder's organization supporting her campaign, there's no question about how she's going to rule. There, there's no question about, you know, will she draw that bridge to fill in that gap that does not exist, that she has no authority to do. Will she make something up, and will the court go with her? You know, does, does, Justice, Irving, does Justice Irving care about his family um, their their rich heritage in the legal community. How far will he let her go? You know they have a storied history, 
Um, or is he going to to abide by the rule of law and say, you know what, I don't like this, I wish it were different, but I have not been granted the authority by law to make these changes that, that she wants to make. You know, the, the, the three-judge panel was very, uh, I think, succinct in pointing out that, you know, they have to assume something's constitutional. They have to assume the General Assembly acted in good faith. That's what the law requires them to do. And to find one of our acts to be unconstitutional, I mean, it has to be plain as day and on the face. And I challenge any of you to go read that Constitution and find any words about um, giving one uh, side partisan advantage being unconstitutional when drawing a map. Uh, that That's absolutely absurd. And that, that's what their, their ruling did indicate. They said, hey, we found some situations where if they could choose between um, giving an advantage to Republicans versus giving advantage to Democrats, we believe they gave advantage to Republicans. But we can't find any law, we can't find any section of the Constitution that forbids that <laughs> because it doesn't exist. Yeah. Do you think that the Democrats are fearful that maybe Sam Irvin would side with the Republicans? I mean, case after case, in fact, the, the voter ID case, the Carolina Journal is reporting today that the voter ID case, mm -hmm. they want to bypass the Court of Appeals and they want to go straight to the Supreme Court. And again, they're asking that Republican Justice uh, Berenger recuse herself on this. Are they, are they so worried that they keep asking for recusals? Do they think that uh, one of the Democrats might actually side with the Republicans on this? I think that's a straw man argument too, because they, you know, they, they when anytime they anticipate that you know Anita Rolls will be challenged because this case is brought forward by her largest campaign backer, right? Which is a reasonable right. thing to make the argument with. There's precedent. I, I think I read there's been over forty. Uh, decisions rendered by judges that used to be members of the General Assembly and legislation they voted on. So they know that. Um, right. They keep beating that drum. It's just good press. It's just like when they, they keep calling things. They, they say, well, these were done to dilute the power of minority voters. So you think they it just want to vilify? They want to vilify Behringer. That That's all this yeah. stuff is. I mean, they, they know that there's, there's precedent and that um, Justice Behringer hadn't done anything wrong. Well, the same thing beating the racial drum on the districts when the courts plainly held that, hey, there's no argument in there. There's nothing in there that dilutes the, the power of a race to vote. There might be something on a political party. But if 90% if of African Americans uh, vote for Democrats, then effectively what the courts would be saying is that we must allow Democrats to win. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, how can they do that? Aren't, aren't they? robbing the, the vote from a Republican, a registered Republican, when they do that. It's just, it, it's such a circus. And the media just loves it. You know, they, they report whatever they say every day, and uh, many of them appear to hold it up as fact. I, I've seen uh, very few, but some, who've attempted to be reasonable with this stuff. Uh, Senator Jim Perry, do you plan to be at the uh, oral arguments in two weeks? I, I don't know um, if I'll be watching. They're going to do those virtually. Oh, they are. Okay. I was a little little disappointed in that. Um, but I, I, if I don't watch, I'm, I'm sure I'll watch a recap. And we have a, you know, we've got a pretty top notch legal team that's been right. been working on this stuff. Um, 
you know, I can't understand why the Democrats or the governor wouldn't want us to uphold our constitutional authority and responsibility of, of drawing those maps if there's an issue. I mean, it, it, it does feel like they're uh, plotting to ramrod this stuff down our throat as they they tried to do with so many things over time. You know, if you can't win at the ballot box, you've got to run to the courtroom. Yep. Um, and and that is the issue. You asked if there's an issue. That is the issue right there. <laughs> well, they got t- they got 250 million reasons to try to get it to the Supreme Court because of Anita Earls is there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, uh, 250,000. Excuse me, Senator Perry. Yeah. Thank you for your time, and we look forward to talking to you after the oral arguments. Let's do that. Put it on the calendar. Sure, happy to do it. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you, Thanks. Senator Jim Perry. We got to take a timeout. Stay with us. We'll be right back. News and Views, Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back again. If you uh, want to get outside to do something, it better be tomorrow. Tomorrow's high is uh, 60 degrees and sunshine. Uh, rain comes in Thursday, and then rain turns to snow on Friday. And uh, Saturday, we might see an inch or two, depending on where you are in our listening area. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club, voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining, an outdoor pool, tennis, and more. The newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. Join Ironwood. Pay zero initiation fees. That's for a limited time. Give them a call, 252-752-4653. Find out what makes Ironwood the best of Greenville, 252-752-4653. Be a part of the best. I should have saved this for a... um, Political trivia. 79 years ago, in 1943, World War II, the government declared a wartime ban on the sale of pre-sliced bread. Hmm. Now, why do you think they would do that? Was you sending it overseas? or To conserve resources during World War II, they were worried about the amount of additional wax paper used to wrap individual slices. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I guess that was pre uh, pre cellophane or plastic. I yeah, guess. what were they doing with wax paper or the products in wax? Maybe. Uh, hmm. Well, I mean, back then you had to conserve everything, right? Yeah. So uh, they only sold from this day in 1943 through the end of World War II. You'd only buy. Full loaves of bread, unsliced loaves of bread. Maybe that's, uh, we're just saying, the best thing since sliced bread came from. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know how good it is, so you don't have it. Maybe. I don't know. Um, News and Observer is reporting. I thought this was just curious. It's not a big deal. Remember Mark Harris, who was the pastor from the Charlotte area, who ran for the Congress and uh, ended up winning, but he hired... Uh, McCray Dallas, and uh, he ended up, um, yeah, he, he's going to end up in jail. And Mark Harris ended up basically having to rerun and decided he wasn't going to run again. And 
anyway, he never made it into, into Congress as a result of the questionable acts of uh, Dallas. Um, the, uh, his son, who actually testified against Mark Harris, his son is now going to run for the state house up in the uh, Wake County area, John Harris. So he's mm. running as a Republican. So that, that politics area, is in the family. Now, that, um, that race, was that down like around Bladen County or Whiteville or somewhere? Is that kind of district? I don't think it went that far over, Didn't, but it, uh, it went pretty far over. I mean, it was it, it ran east over. East of Fayetteville? Or? Yeah, it ran over towards Lumberton. I don't know if it went as far as Lumberton, but it went over in that uh, mm-hmm. that direction from, from the Charlotte Union County area. Mm-hmm. County area. So uh, anyway, but his son is now running for the state house. Um, we were talking earlier about Chuckles the Clown Schumer and how he wants to do away with the uh, filibuster and he wants to vilify anybody that doesn't vote for H.R. 1 and H.R. 4 so that they can be reelected. Um, my favorite, one of my favorites, maybe, maybe probably is my favorite member of uh, the U.S. Senate, John Kennedy. <laughs> Last night on Fox News, he weighed in on this push to end the filibuster in order to pass the national takeover of elections. Cut one. Number one, uh, the Biden administration's effort to get rid of the 60-vote threshold in the United States Senate is not about a Senate that doesn't work. It's about uh, a woke agenda that doesn't sell. Uh, Getting rid of the 60-vote threshold in the Senate in my judgment, would be like um, like giving whiskey and car keys to a teenage boy. Point two, the Biden administration has mismanaged COVID. It has mismanaged inflation. It has mismanaged the border. And it has mismanaged foreign policy all in one year. If the aliens landed tomorrow and said, take me to your leader, it would be embarrassing. Now President Biden is trying to change the subject by talking about race, and he is mismanaging that. America is not perfect. Americans know that. But they also know that that we are good. Um, Black lives have mattered to most Americans for a long time. That's why we passed civil rights laws in 1866, 1871, 1875-1968-1968-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1
that, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago when we were going through Jim Crow, who was leading the fight for Jim Crow? It was the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Who, was, who was saying it's all about the color of your skin then? It was the Democrats. Who, are say, who is saying it now? It's the Democrats. <laughs> you know, Senator Kennedy, he, he's probably, if somebody had to say, you know, hey, who would you like to go to Washington and just sit down with, have casually, a beer? Have a beer I, it would, it'd be, I think it'd, oh, be, yeah. it'd be John yeah. Kennedy. Yeah. Two people I would like to have that time with. One would be John Kennedy. Two would be Clarence Thomas. They've been my two choices. Stay with us. We'll be right back. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. The uh, Supreme Court announced last Friday it will hear oral arguments in a case which has sort of flown under the radar for a lot of folks, but a very important case when it comes to religious liberty. Coach Joe Kennedy, no relationship to Senator Kennedy, um, six years ago, he was fired from his job as a head football coach up in Bremerton, Washington. And uh, he, at the end of his games by himself, whether they would win or lose, he would go out to the center of the football field, kneel down and say a prayer, and never asked any of the kids to go with him. But after a while, some of the players followed him out there and didn't say anything to the kids. He went out, kneeled down, prayed. In fact, it became so popular that other teams at the end of the game would go out with him and his team, and he would just say a prayer. The schools didn't like it, and so the schools said, you either stop it or we're going to fire you. Now, what's really interesting is the Americans United for Separation of Church and State released a statement last Friday after the Supreme Court said they were going to hear oral arguments on this case. They said no child attending public school should have to pray to play sports. No student should ever be made to feel excluded whether it's in the classroom or on the football field, because they don't share the religious beliefs of their coaches, teachers, or fellow students. You know, this could be, this is so far from the truth of the case. I mean, the truth of the case is this coach went off by himself, put a knee on the center of the football field at the end of each game, each home game, said a prayer, and the students followed him out there and said, hey, coach, can I come out with you? He said, sure, come on. Other coaches, other schools went out with him. They said, sure, come on. Um, this is uh, this is an important case. You know, right now, up in Canada, they just passed legislation that basically says, you know what, when it comes to transgenderism, um, you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to have any conversions. Now they're talking about conversion therapy, but the way the rule was written, they're coming down on religious freedoms in Canada. Uh, so this case coming up out of Bremerton, Washington, with Coach Joe Kennedy is very, very important. Uh, say, a, say a prayer for Coach Joe that he prevails. We'll see. We'll find out in June when uh, the findings come out from the Supreme Court. Hey, our thanks to uh, Senator Jim Perry. Benny and I will be back tomorrow. We'll do it again. See you at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right. <laughs>